Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Lead Your Life podcast. I thought it would be really helpful to occasionally bring on clients that are going through the coaching process. You can hear from them about the insights that they've had in their coaching program, the changes that they've been able to make, and more importantly, how their life looks differently now than it did before they started coaching. So today, I am super excited to have one of my most favorite clients, Andrea Cochran, on the show today. She's funny, she's kind, she's open, and I will tell you, she's one of the most hardest working clients I have in my practice. She is an action taker, and she is an action maker. So she has been making big changes over the last year or so since she's been coaching with me. And I am very excited for you to hear her journey and what she has to share with you. So without further ado, here is our interview. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. All right, Andrea, I'm so happy you're here today. Yeah, of course. Me too. Well, today we are going to talk about your coaching journey. Yes, a fascinating one. (laughs) (laughs) It has been. It has been. And you know, when I think about your journey and, and our journey together, and I was going through our notes before this podcast, it is amazing to me how much you've grown in the last year. Here in a couple yeah. months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I feel it. I mean, I have, you know, friends that haven't seen me in a while. They'll ask like, oh, you seem different. Like what's going on? And I'm like, well, sit down, pull up a chair and let me tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, today we're going to cover kind of what brought you to coaching, talk about your experience. So other people who aren't familiar with coaching can have a clear understanding of what it is. And, you know, the experience is customized. It's different for every person. And so I think people hearing your experience, mm-hmm. um, hopefully it resonates with them and they'll, and they'll say, wow, you know, maybe that's something that could benefit me. So let's talk about, first of all, how did you find out about coaching? It's really funny because I had a friend that had suggested it and they probably suggested it. I would say, let's say it's, it's February. And I was like, sure, yeah, like, I'll save this number, whatever you need. And I was having a really, really hard time. I was transitioning out of business ownership, and I was moving back to the city I live in now. And I was just genuinely on the struggle bus. (laughs) And I never called, you know, it was your number, I never called. Um, And I was going home for the holidays. And my friend said, I need you to promise me, you know, and it was the best, like, pin me in a corner situation I think I've ever had she said you have to promise me you're going to promise me that you're just go go see her once you know like just go see her once and then tell me how you feel um and I did and we've been working together now for you know over a year which is uh pretty incredible and I didn't know anything about coaching I honestly didn't I always 
in my head envisioned a like professional life coach situation as like a power suit like you need to do this this and this in your career in order if you want to be successful and that's never really been my vibe but it was kind of the exact opposite of that yeah and you know I'm glad you bring that up because actually I think that's a big misconception about coaching is you know people equate coaching to you know the coach on the sidelines at the football game and the you know the football coach or the basketball coach and you know telling you in your face telling you what to do and you know, it would be interesting for you to tell the viewers or the listeners, you know, what has been your experience with coaching? Um, I think if you're doing coaching right, it's hard. And it's hard in a lot of different aspects. Obviously, for me, my life was kind of all over the place. I'm really good at juggling that type of lifestyle, for lack of a better phrase. But for me, it's been a lot of work and a lot of introspective work, which I think people genuinely fear. I know I did. And I know that I fought it. And I know you always say like, you've never fought me internally, I could feel myself struggling, and not wanting to do this introspective type of personal work, and then see how that transcends in other aspects of my life. Um, And that was really important to me to be able to, like, do this interpersonal work, and then have it transcend into my actual life. And it did. No. And you know what, what you bring up is perfect because I wish I could clone all of my clients because what you talked about is, you know, not only are you getting the introspection and you're doing the work, but you are actually taking action. So you're taking that, you're taking that introspection, you're taking that reflection and you are acting on it. And you are one of my star clients because literally everything we talk about, you implement. And you are taking action on it. And I think that's why, well, I know that's why, you know, you've seen so much growth over the last year. And I think it has a lot to do with me, with the way that you verbalized it for me. And you said really specifically, we're going to take your neurological pathways and we're going to scramble them up because that ain't working for you now, honey. Like we need to figure out how to rewire these choices, these where you don't even think about it, it's subconscious choices that you're making and implement that into your real life. And that's where I saw the connect was when I was able to implement it into my real life. Yeah. And again, you did the implementation, you were working on it. And would you say that it was a one hit wonder? You know, did it work right away? (laughs) Absolutely not. And I think it's something that I still genuinely work on. Um, I think it's, how it's how I have those internal conversations with myself. And sometimes I have those conversations with you where I'm like, I, what's going on? Like walk me, help me walk through this process. And that's exactly what it is. It's, and, and you and I talk about this all the time. And I think it was like probably the first time I had a complete emotional breakdown in your office was where like, you don't have to be alone with these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very scary thing for somebody like myself, who's, and you know, can seem super extroverted to be like, oh my gosh, like it is okay for me to realize, like, I don't have to do everything alone. Mm. Yeah, that has been a big awareness throughout your journey for sure. And <laughs> a lot of my other clients' journeys as well is, you know, it's so important for my clients to know and to feel that, you know, this can be a scary process, this can be a very intense process. 
Um, because the coaching we do is transformational. And whenever you're doing something transformational, it's always at a deep level. There's always fear that comes up. There's always intrepidation and nerves and, you know, anxiety. And there's a lot of stuff that comes up and I am here with you every step of the way to support you. So when you kind of look back at the last year that we've been working together, if you could summarize it for people, what would you say are the top three changes or shifts that you've been able to make over the last year for yourself? I think the first one for me was figuring out what kindness to myself looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we talked we talk a lot about like giving myself grace and being kind to myself. And I think that was the first thing that I was able to implement into my everyday life. And it felt really fucking weird in the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue, but like, just, I said that I wanted to read more. And just today before our call, like I was reading, like I never would have allowed myself that, that that space to decompress and, and do things like that. And so I, like, that's a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kindness. I remember vividly going through this process with you and, you know, us realizing together, you've always been someone that has been so kind and giving and loving and so supportive of others. Um, but you haven't always been kind to yourself. And so when you think about kindness, how does that show up for you now? How are you more kind to yourself now? I mean, negative self-talk, I think it's something that every human deals with. And I think women especially deal with. Um, and it was so funny because I felt like, like you had me name like that negative voice. And as soon as I name it, I was like, shut up. Like it was really easy for me to internally like shut her down and to not have those internal conflicts with myself and necessarily beating myself up. I think that was a big takeaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what about another couple shifts that you've been able to make? So kindness and what else? Boundaries. I think that was probably even before kindness, like kind of the first thing that we talked about. Um, me, for me personally, it was setting up emotional boundaries, um, to protect myself emotionally. Cause I think sometimes I can be so empathetic and I hold on to other people's problems. And, and that is a very endearing trait. And it is one that carries a heavy toll and realizing what boundaries look like for me and then putting them in practice, you know, like that was the biggest thing is being like, okay, these are the boundaries. And you and I both know I failed miserably in the beginning. I just said them out loud and walked away. And I was like, bye, it's going to work itself out. And it wasn't until I realized that consequences don't necessarily have to be negative. You know, like setting up a consequence for a boundary is ultimately a way of self-care, which is a very, very different view for me to look at something where I was telling somebody no, because I'm like the yes man. But when it comes to boundaries and you know, especially emotional boundaries for me, it was important for me to realize that I could set those up and still be successful and a good friend and a a good roommate, a good sister, a good daughter, all of those things. Yeah. Well, and as your coach, I'm going to step in and say that you didn't fail at boundaries when you were learning, you were just learning, you were in the learning process. So, and that goes back to the kindness. So um, I'm always, I'm always protective and always watching out for you. Um, but yeah, so you did a, you did a great job. And I think boundaries is something that so many people struggle with. 
so many people and, and in different ways, right? I think for a lot of women, um, boundaries can show up as um, over committing. We say yes to everything. <laughs> yes, story of my life. <laughs> yes, a big boundary can just be the word no. Um, yeah, such a powerful word, right? Mm -hmm. What we commit to and what we don't commit to. Um, what else? So kindness, boundaries. What do you think has been the other third big shift that you've made this year? I think the other like really major shift has been being willing to accept challenges. So you and I have done some super uncomfortable exercises over this past year. Um, and I think all of them served like a really important purpose. And I, I have no qualms sharing this one where I, you asked me to have my family write down five gifts that I possess. And I'm a over communicator and my, my family knows that sometimes I feel out of place because maybe they don't communicate on the same level as I do. And so we did this exercise and my mom gave me like one word answers and just boom, boom, boom. And I said, okay, like Natalie, I did the exercise. I win. And you were like, no, you need to go back and you need to ask why. And like, and of her in regards to like how she sees these traits into you. And when I asked my mom about it, she couldn't. And that was to me like a real life example of trying to communicate with somebody when you communicate on different levels. Mm -hmm. And so it has helped my relationship with my mother, not that we ever had a bad one, but it has helped me understand the way that she kind of like goes through her feelings and her process. While mine is maybe a little bit more in depth, she doesn't need that type of in-depthness, in for a better word. I don't even know if it's the word, but it helps in that aspect. And it was funny because like my dad was the opposite. I got a goddamn fucking book about it. And he's the most quiet human being I've ever met. So it was good because I felt like it was such a good real life example as to how to communicate in like really clear ways as to how different people interact in the world. And that that's, I, I have a huge family. So I have to like implement that on a daily basis. Yeah. No, I know that was a really powerful exercise for you. And, you know, I think one of the things that we all struggle with are is that we anticipate and expect that other people are going to communicate exactly the way we do and feel exactly the way we do. And I think that was a really powerful exercise for you just to realize the differences in the way that people do communicate. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was, you know, because then you can adjust your expectations. Mm -hmm. which is really, yeah. really powerful. So kind of going back to the original coaching, you know, your friend tells you to come to coaching, you come for the first meeting. And how did you know after that meeting that we had, how did you know that coaching was right for you? There was a couple indicators. I mean, I sobbed in your office for a good hour and a half. I think that was. <laughs> and we had not met before. We had not met no, before. No. We had never met before. And I remember sitting in my car afterwards and I was like, oh gosh. And it was so funny because you called me and we didn't know each other at this point. And you're like, hey, you may feel an emotional hangover, you know, because like that was a lot. And I was just like, I live in an emotional hangover. Thank you so much for calling. And I think I ended up crying more. Um, so I think for me, it was really important to connect to you on a level where I felt that 
you could challenge me in a specific way. And if I'm remembering correctly, I told you to challenge me. You did. Yeah, yeah. because sometimes, and you say this now, but like sometimes I feel like I can be very stubborn and set in my ways in specific aspects. And it's cool because you don't even see because it, you have put me in a position to where I feel comfortable and in a safe space to let that well down and just be challenged and be like, okay, like I need to roll with this and I need to do something different. Because if you are unhappy on a guttural level, like a soulful level, it is very silly to think that doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to achieve all the and like <laughs> great happiness is going to come. Yeah, I think that's the definition of insanity, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it absolutely Doing the same is. thing over and over again, expecting mm-hmm. different results. Yeah, and I think that really resonated with me. And also, you brought up a whiteboard, which I joke now whenever I'm in town and I see you, I'm like, I know it's serious because the whiteboard's coming out. <laughs> but um, I like appreciated that from a like teaching standpoint because I coach CrossFit. And so I understand that people learn on different levels. And so the fact that you knew that not everybody is going to be an audio like learner, I'm going to have a whiteboard and I'm going to visu- visually make representations of the things that we can possibly do. And it's funny because if I think about what was on our whiteboard, I have a picture of it in my phone. We've done so much more than what was actually on that whiteboard. That's true. It is true. Yeah. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's such a visual exercise of realizing. And sometimes for people, it's the first time that they're actually looking at their life and where they want it to be and where they want it to go. And um, I know we had some really wonderful conversation that day about, Mm -hmm. you know, what you did want your life to look like and where it was. And so can you kind of let people know um, you know, you've talked about the changes you've made over the last year, but you can kind of let people know, you know, kind of where were you at when you came to coaching and what did life look like then? And what does life look like now? Yeah, I think the, the thing that kind of flipped my entire script was at the, I think at the end, towards the end of when my sobbing and weeping and us talking, I, you asked me, you said, when you're like dying and you look back, what do you want to see? And I just started crying because I said, I want a wife, I want a kid, I want all this, all this stuff. So we started to create like an Andrea's personal hierarchy of needs. And what I find is so fascinating, and I was thinking about this today, that isn't something we talk about as much as we used to. It's, I mean, and it's not, and I think it's really amazing because I think being somebody that's single, sometimes we put so much pressure on what we want to see in the end, but we have to understand that there's a roadmap to get there. And all this interpersonal work has kind of allowed me to see the greater picture. Like, do I still want those things? Hell yes. But I also realize that there are aspects of myself that I can still work on. So when I show up or my forever lady, wherever she is, um, I am going to be a much better person. Mm -hmm. And that's really what flipped the script for me, I think. When I first came to your office, I had just moved back to Seattle. I, I, I live in Seattle. and the uh, I sold a business, which was and still is super traumatic and something that I struggle with on the daily. Um, and I was at a job where I was felt like I was selling my soul every day. Mm, I think a lot of people feel like that. Yeah, I was at a job where it was like it wasn't sometimes people say like, oh, you punch in and you punch out. It was like 
every time I left like part of my soul there, mm-hmm. I was fundamentally not agreeing with what I was doing. And it was slowly chipping away. And it was like, you met me at probably the pinnacle of the crack that like broke it. Um, and I was in town for a couple of weeks for the holidays. And when I came back, I lost my job. You know, you and I had started working together. And this whole year has been huge. I mean, huge shifts. I went back to, you know, trade school, which is very, very different. The trade industry maybe took a not so great turn uh, in my industry's favor. And I've been able to navigate those with not only a clear head, but with like direction and not feeling alone. And I think that's the key part of it because fundamentally you can connect with your spouse, you can connect with your best friend, you can connect with somebody. But when you have somebody else who's there to not only challenge you, but to also guide you through that process, that's why this year has fundamentally shifted from, from black. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember talking to you uh, on our last call, we were talking about this last year and it has been a really difficult year. You made a lot of changes this year. Um, you know, one of the things that was on the whiteboard on our first complimentary session together was that you wanted to go to trade school. And Mm -hmm. you made this huge career shift. You went, you got the education, you got the training, you got the job. And then all of a sudden, you know, the economy for, you know, because of the tariffs went south Mm -hmm. for that specific um, career that you were doing. And, you know, you've had, you've faced a lot of challenges this year. And, you know, one of the things we talked about on our last call, I asked you, based on, you know, this year being a lot of ups and downs and sometimes more downs, how would Mm -hmm. you describe your happiness level? Mm -hmm. And I was astounded and not surprised, but it was definitely something I wanted to bring up on the podcast because Mm -hmm. I would love to hear, you know, I would love for people to hear how your experience has been. You've had a really tough year, but talk to me about your happiness. Where are you at this year? Yeah. I mean, 2019 was really tough. I mean, honestly, probably one of my toughest year. And I thought being a business owner was hard, but, you know, working through school, not getting funding in specific ways, having to figure out what my finances looked like. And then in the middle of that, that school, there's a, t- a trade war that affects the price of steel, which means that the job that I have literally been training for is about to get a lot, lot harder to work for. And I remember when I was, I got out of school and I started working for a company and I, you know, came home for a wedding and I came back and I was like, I haven't worked in three weeks. And I was like, I, for a second, I panicked. I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I was like, no, bitch, you know exactly what to do. Like you have plans on plans on plans. So I think I was, I had the tools to A, give myself space to have my moment and have my freak out. But then also to realize like, oh, this is more clarity as to what my needs actually are, mm-hmm. you know, which is stability. And what what brings me joy is, is coaching CrossFit. And I still get that. And I have been able to manage the stress of the year in a way that I don't think that I would have been capable of doing a year before. So when I look at 2020 and, you know, you asked me last week, you said, are you happy? I said, yes. <laughs> you know, like, I think what I realized is stress doesn't dictate happiness stress is a reality. And it is how we manage that stress and how we take care of ourselves on a like core value fundamental level is what's going to dictate your happiness. 
you know, I'm a single lesbian in a big city with cats and I'm happy as hell. You know what I mean? Is my, is my end goal to have a wife and kids? Absolutely. But I, I think I resonate, like I vibrate on the same wavelength with stress on a way where it serves me instead of fighting it. Yeah. And do you think that you would have felt that way last year if you wouldn't have had coaching and if you wouldn't have gone through the process, you know, where do you feel like you would have emotionally been at at this point if you wouldn't have gone through the process? I think I it's and I this isn't an over dramatization. I would have given up. I probably would have moved back to California. You know, there's a lot of scenarios, but I know myself of what my breaking point was. And I can guarantee you that I would have given up mm-hmm. and I would have been, you know, back living with my parents, trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life and not having any tools to try and make that happen. And that's, I think the big difference is now like, you know, my tool bag is massive. <laughs> it is because you've put it there. You, you've taken the insights, you've done the work, you've, you've put those tools in your tool belt. It's all because mm-hmm. of you. Yes. Yeah. And um, no, that, that, Thank you for sharing that. I really, I really appreciate it. And I think it's helpful to people to understand the the power of self-discovery. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you go through in this process. And, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about, you know, having the mindset and having the tools. And there's so many things I wrote down from notes that we've worked together over the last year, because I'm telling you, I, I could write a book just on your quotes alone, on the insights that you have at the end of your calls. Mm-hmm. and you know, one of the things that you said is you said coaching. What One of the things you said is that coaching and support from others doesn't mean you're weak. It's actually exactly the opposite. You end up feeling valued. You feel loved. You feel supported. And not only does it not mean that you're not enough, um, it doesn't mean that. It means that you can do so much more with that support. Yeah. And, you know, you really talk about this trajectory and this, this place that you can go with support. And I think so many people are afraid to ask for that support. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, and I, you and I, I can't remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this, it's like not knowing what to ask. Mm-hmm. And then because you don't know what to ask, you just forget the question existed. And I think for me, I've been able to, you know, because this is a serious thing that we've worked on is like, how to ask for help. And it's something that my friends have been so good with me and like saying, ask for help, ask for help. And I think a lot of the times I didn't know what to say. So I just pretended it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think I give myself the space to figure out how to answer that question, mm-hmm. you know, and that is interperspective work. You know, when somebody says, how can I help you? It's not paper or plastic question. You know, it is something that you genuinely have to work on and figure out what your needs actually are. Yeah. And do you feel prior to, you know, investing in this process for yourself, do you feel like you knew what your needs were? Do you feel like you knew what you wanted in life? No, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the honest answer is, is I'm still figuring it out. Sure. You know, and and you say all the, you know, my prolific quotes, it's like self-love for me is a thing that I have to practice every day. And it, but just because I don't really understand it doesn't mean that I don't start now. And so it is a constant conversation have to have 
in regards to what my needs actually are and how to meet them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we, we've done a lot of work around self-care and what that looks like. And um, one of the things that we've talked about is, you know, do you feel like self-care is the same for everyone? And yeah. And yeah, and how does it differ? And how do you find, you know, there's so many books out there. So, you know, do yoga, do meditation, or take some time for yourself, or go on vacation, or read a book. But, you know, it's interesting self care, it could be those things, but self care for everyone is very different. And so, mm-hmm. can you talk about maybe a little bit about what you've learned self care means to you? Yeah, I think I used to think exactly that. Like self-care meant like I need a mani-pedi and I need to go shopping. And that is not generally, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a pedicure every now and then, (laughs) but that's not necessarily my idea of self-care. And it took me a really long time to realize that because I can be so extroverted, that it was really, really important for me to set time aside to shut down. And shut down for a long time. I used to have like two amazing roommates shutdown was sitting in my car and I would sit in my car for hours, hours. And, and, and now I realize that like, Oh, shutdown can look a lot of different ways. And that could be, and I don't like cooking, but it actually can be cooking myself a meal and like sitting in silence and sitting in quiet. And that for me took a lot of time to figure out. And not only that, to be okay with it, Mm -hmm. to be okay with silence. Like internal, it's really uncomfortable, uh, just like an awkward silence. Yeah. And I think not only you figuring it out for yourself, but also helping explain to your friends and your family what that means to you. So not only were you figuring it out for yourself, but you were letting people know, you know, hey, why, Andrea, why aren't we seeing you this weekend? And, you know, before you might feel you might have felt guilty about it. But now you were in a position to say, you know, hey, I need some time to myself. And you were very clear mm-hmm. about why you were doing it and what you needed and what it was accomplishing for you. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, I think, created so much peace for you internally because mm-hmm. you weren't struggling. Should I go out or should I, you know, and, and some of those uh, social situations can feel like obligations when you're not fully present and in the moment and because you're not taking care of yourself and you really want to be somewhere else. Yeah. And I think it's really funny because as adults, we sometimes making friends is really hard. You know, it, it, it it's not like, oh, you know, you watch Power Rangers, so do I, which is what we said when I was a kid. I don't think that's relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I have done a really good job of setting up the people around me to where I can be vulnerable with them and they can be um, the same with me. So if I am going through it you know you laugh all the time I'm in the middle of the fuck right now like I have a lot going on and I'm working you know like crazy I have no qualms with being vulnerable with the people around me and saying like I am sorry I'm just working you know and I had a friend text me just last week and say hey I'm checking in on you like three more weeks you know because I have a job lined up and I start in three weeks and, and and they were checking on me and that ability to connect with the people in my life on a level that matches mine and matches theirs. So it's mutually clear and um, concise. It it's made friendships easier, especially as adults, because it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, going through this process with you, um, what would you say about the quality of your friendships 
now versus a year ago or, you know, a little over a year ago? Yeah, I think I, I feel like I have less of the obligatory hangout, which I realize now don't feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you kind of touched on that. And I also just think that the people that I surround myself are more supportive and they understand where I'm at. And I am not good, honestly, at talking about my feelings to other people, <laughs> aside from you. Um, I, I'm generally not. And it's something that my friends have brought up to me. And it is something that we have actively worked on. Mm-hmm. And am I perfect? Fuck no. I am light years away from perfect, but it's something that we mutually work on together. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do that if I didn't put in the work with my friends and them the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, when you talk, when you talked about, you know, obligations, um, one of the things I remember talking about is again, you spoke on how early on that you would do things out of obligation. And now when you feel obligated, you realize that those are red flags for you. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you actively say to yourself, is this serving me? Mm-hmm. And yeah, how, how many times have I said to you, pause is progress? Like, right. <laughs> I just need to pause. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've done great work. You've done great work around that. Another interesting question. If you could tell the Andrea from one year ago, anything, what would you, what would you share with her? Resilience doesn't have to hurt. Mm. Just because you're resilient and you can handle no literally anything that comes your way and you figure out how to make it work, it doesn't mean it has to hurt so bad. Yeah. And so tell me more about that. I think that because I am pretty resilient and I can juggle a lot of things in the air and I can handle those things, I think it always hurts because I wasn't taking care of myself in the process. And because I decide to take care of myself doesn't mean I have to give up resiliency. With, you know, I don't think that doing self care and self work and all these things have to take away from like your superpowers. Like, my resiliency is my superpower. You know, I can handle a lot of things. And I don't think uh, when I first started working together, I was like, well, there she goes. (laughs) Like, there goes all these qualities that I, I I hold so tight to my chest, but it doesn't mean that I can't enhance them, you know, by utilizing skills to take care of myself in a better facet. And that would that's what I would for sure tell her. Because those first six months, girl, were rough when we were working <laughs> together. They were rough. <laughs> and so I think uh, I would tell her that. All right. So you're talking about how rough it was for the first six months. So Mm -hmm. if you could speak to a woman out there that is considering making an investment Mm -hmm. in herself, making an investment in coaching, whether it's with me or anyone else, um, Mm -hmm. because I'm all about women investing in themselves and women Mm -hmm. up leveling themselves um, and men for that matter, too. Um, But if you could speak to a woman out there that is considering coaching, uh, what would you tell her? I think the first thing that I would tell her is it is okay to feel bad for a second about taking care of yourself. Because I think that was my first reaction. I was like, how do I justify this to myself? And I had that moment. And then I was like, you can't afford not to. 
you know, and it was really that simple for me. And it was figure out what works for you is not something you do alone. And that's like a really hard pill to swallow is that it life isn't meant to be done alone. And sometimes it's nice to have somebody who will either hold your hand or give you a kick swift in the ass. <laughs> and both of those things are really beautiful. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Both. And that was really important for me. So I imagine, I assume other people probably need to hear that too. Yeah. And what would you say to the person that um, is maybe fearful of going on that journey? So the, so the bluntness in me wants to say good. That means it means something. Mm. You know, if you don't think that I was like changing out my underwear <laughs> when I was crying in your office, I was absolutely scared. And I'm, and there are moments where I still get scared and it, and it reminds me that there's a purpose behind it. I think if we just go through life on autopilot and pretend that we don't see these things in front of us, uh, we're doing ourselves a huge disservice and the people that we love a huge disservice because they're only getting such a small facet of who we are as a human. Yeah. And no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't, I don't have anything else to say. It's, it's, it really is beautiful. And it's why I do the work I do. Um, because I see people like yourself. I see people, you know, fearful in the beginning, concerned about doing the work, but I see them making that leap because they want to invest. They want something different. They want, you know, they're feeling stuck or they're feeling frustrated or they're just not feeling fulfilled and there's just something going on that is the impetus enough to get them in and then I see this huge transformation just like I've seen in you over the last year and it has been amazing to be on this it honestly it's been a privilege for me to be on this journey with you yeah and you and I talk about it all the time I gush about you all the time I mean I feel very very fortunate because I think from somebody who has done a lot of like therapy and different work in my life, I think it's very rare to see something that doesn't feel cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know we, we probably, I probably do things way differently than any of your clients. And I think that's what I appreciate the most because you're able to meet me at a level that works for both of us. And it still challenges me and it's still very different. You know, I brag about you all the time. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. Uh, well, like I said, it's been a mutual privilege. So I, I'm so grateful that you came on today to share your journey and your story. And I'm sure it's going to be inspiring to other people who, you know, are feeling where you were a year ago and who Mm -hmm. are wanting major transformation in their lives and, you know, and want to make that change and want to make that investment, but maybe they're scared. And I think you are a light and an example and a, and a true, you know, living example of what it means to to do the work and make the changes and to experience everything that you've experienced over the last year. And like you said, I mean, people are seeing the changes. Uh, you know, Andrea, what are you doing differently? And what's going on with you? And, um, you know, it's been very, very obvious um, to, you know, people in your circle and, and your close friends and your family. Yeah. So I didn't do it alone. So I, like I see. <laughs> I mean, we could do this all day, but I just think uh for anybody that is feeling on the fence, I think 
if you're questioning it, it's a good chance that it's because you need it. You know, there's a really, this is analogies, you know, you know me and my analogies. This is going to be a little silly. You always have good analogies, by the way. (laughs) So I was um, actually just reading a book and it's like a, like a gay rom-com type of situation. And then the, the protagonist or the character in the book is trying to figure out like, why is he so fixated on this kiss he had with a man? And he's like fixated and fixated. And then he pauses is, but the character pauses and said, Oh, straight people don't worry like this. Like you don't worry about like that in that facet. And I think like, if you're worried that much about something that you really need, like it's, it's, it's your subconscious telling you like, Hey, put in the work. Like I said, not my best analogy, but we'll run with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And it has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation, or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.